0: In five, four, three, two... I
1: know, you see, somehow the world will change for me and be so wonderful. Okay, sorry. I had to get that out of my system. Hey guys, I'm Aiden Mattis. Welcome to the Lore Lodge Official Podcast, episode three. Uh, I'm here with our co-host and editor, Aiden Thornbury. What's going on, everybody? Blonde-haired Aiden, uh, technical Aiden, as some might call him, once, once known as Aiden S.E. Yes. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about kind of the stuff we've been building up all week, which is Skinwalker Ranch, and if we make it through that, then I have some topics I meant to touch on last week that I completely failed to hit, uh, so, you know, if we can make it through Skinwalker Ranch, we'll be talking about elves. I feel that's appropriate. So, uh, Aiden, did you, did you do any of the research I requested you do on Skinwalker Ranch this week? Nope. I didn't think you would. (laughs) Um...
0: (laughs) Did you at least watch the video you edited? I did. <laughs> I didn't have much time outside of editing that video to research. But did you pick up any information while editing the video? I did. Blue orbs. Blue orbs. Yeah, he does remember blue orbs. That's that's key. That's important. <laughs> and I remember shadow people in portals. I remember... Okay, let me actually think. Um, I remember something about... No, I think I cut that. Uh, (laughs) uh, What was it? There was something about um, things ending up in trees. Yeah, an auger and a calf
1: both ended up in a tree. And for those of you who didn't grow up somewhat close to farms, an auger is a large tool that is used for digging fence posts. It's basically a giant uh, mechanized corkscrew. I once got hit in the nuts with one. um, With the handle, not with the corkscrew I was going to say... We were digging a fence post for my friend's Eagle Scout project, and we lost our grip and
0: hit uh, right around in there. Yeah, I was, was going to say, because if you got hit with a different part of the auger, ooh, then no, I would, you, you would no eunuch. longer have nuts. Yeah, I, it would not have been a fun time. Yeah, it would have been the first and last time you
1: could get hit in the nuts with an auger. Yeah. Um, for the sake of checking in on technical difficulties, Aiden, does anybody in the chat have a problem hearing us?
0: Uh, nobody seems to be complaining. Wunderbar.
1: So. All right. So nice I guess, you know, thing. let's start doing introductions at the beginning of this. Um, so. Should. Yeah, for those of you who are new here, I'm Aiden Mattis. Uh, I am a historian. I'm a medievalist. Um, getting my master's degree at Bangor University in North Wales. Uh, currently, we are broadcasting from my home in Pennsylvania, United States. Um, to give you a quick bio, I just someone who has always found folklore and history and religion very interesting. And um, you know, if you want to find me on my socials, it's the Aiden Mattis. That's the A I D A N M A T T I S. On essentially everything except Twitter, where it is just Aiden Mattis. And uh, in Thornberry, how about you?
0: Uh, yeah, my name's Aiden Thornberry. I went to New York University with, and I got a uh, degree in film and journalism with a minor in psych because that's fun. Um, and yeah, I've known him since early high school. Uh, I'm putting my technical and directorial knowledge to use doing this, and I'm honestly learning along with all of you about all the stuff that he knows because. I, though we both watched the show Supernatural throughout its time on the air, I paid attention. Okay, he paid attention and <laughs> did the research outside of watching yes. the show to know what parts of it were bullshit and what parts of it were actually like valid.
1: I do enjoy calling out other people's bullshit. It gives me a sense of moral superiority that is just chef's kiss.
0: All I know is that I want a '67 Impala with a 502 big block in it, and I want to shoot salt out of a shotgun. Also, with uh, that new
1: supernatural show that's coming up, we would love to cameo. So, uh, yeah. So Jensen, Jensen, if you hear this, yeah, my, my DMs are open. Yeah, also, uh, today's episode is sponsored by Wawa. I'm loving it. Pa uh, Have it your way.
0: We're we're hitting two birds with one stone on that one. We have the meats. It's not delivery.
1: It's Skinwalker Ranch. Um, all right. So actually getting into the discussion here. Uh, quick quick thing that I want to address because I hear a lot about it on TikTok and YouTube and just the Internet in general. Uh, what is the difference between a Skinwalker and a Wendigo? And have I summoned these demons myself by saying their names? Um, I'm going to start off. No, I haven't summoned them uh, in the Native American lore for it. Skinwalker is not the word that you use to alert one to your presence. That is a Navajo word, meaning it goes on all fours. I had to burp. And uh, Wendigo is a very, b- between it being an anglicized version of the Algonquin word and my apparently quite thick Pennsylvania accent. Um, yeah, that's what the British tell me. Uh, apparently I have a thick accent. Uh, between those two things, I don't think I'm summoning anything.
0: Can we pause on that real quick? I can you go into the history, because I know you know it, the history behind the American and the British accent and whose really came first? Dude, it took us like three seconds to get off track here. I know. Oh, my God. Okay,
1: so the American accent as we know it now is, to some extent, is largely the way that people spoke English up until the uh, 17 and 1800s. It was seen as, um, you know, that, that Cockney accent that you hear a lot in Britain was seen as kind of the lower class to speak in a more clear, concise, uh, non-accented form of English was the way the aristocracy spoke, and the British aristocracy, in an effort to um, separate themselves from the the Americans and the laymen, developed kind of this refined version of the lower-class accent, which uh, you still hear in the southern accent of the United States today, but kind of that... Um, that high and height sound to the accent, where they speak quite like this, and oh, quite everything is that. very, very poignant and pointed. And everything they say, no matter how simple, sounds shallow and pedantic. Um. I love all of our English followers. Please don't, please don't hate. Um. I'm sure you understand. You probably hate Texan accents as much as we hate London accents. Um. So, carrying on. Anyway, yeah. Skinwalkers are Native American witches who, uh, through the powers of friendship and cannibalism, turn into evil uh, evil witches. And they have to, in some legends, they just have to consume flesh. In others, it has to be the flesh of a family member. So, basically, the idea here is you've got to commit the ultimate sin possible, which is to consume your family. Um, and then they gain superhuman strength, speed, insight, the ability to astral project, a lot of things that regular old medicine men can do, but with an evil twist, nice little hint of lime, um, and yeah, exactly, and uh, they, they transform into these sort of off-putting versions of animals, usually larger than the actual thing, by wearing their pelts, and generally in Navajo culture, you can wear the pelt of a goat, of a deer, um, of a, a a cow, any animal that's not malevolent, um, but it is forbidden to wear the pelt of a predator, and that is kind of something that gets reserved to skinwalkers who don't care if they're being evil because that's their M.O. They want to be evil. Uh, but they are humans, they are sentient, they have thoughts, they try to blend in, um, you know, and and sometimes people are like, oh, well, could you befriend a skinwalker? No, because once your tribe finds out you're a skinwalker, they're they're going to kill you. Um As for the Wendigo, that's a completely different legend, and it does fall under this kind of flesh-pedestrian archetype theory that I've developed, but the Wendigo is uh, a a transformation that comes over you when you uh, commit cannibalism out of an act of desperation, and you eat the flesh of another human being, and from that point on, as a curse, you can only crave human flesh, it is your soul-driving desire, it takes away essentially all of your humanity all of your sentience and the only thing you can think of is to hunt and consume human beings um and that legend varies a little bit there's also a version where the wendigo is an external spirit rather than a psychosis and it will possess somebody and cause them to eat their their loved ones um but like i said there's a lot of different variations on the legend um, but those are those are the two that get talked about a lot, and the misconception seems to be that a Wendigo and a Skinwalker are the same thing. They're not. They're two separate traditions, Skinwalkers being human beings, Wendigos being essentially uh, monsters driven solely by, formerly human, monsters being driven solely by their desire to consume human flesh. So, to get back to Skinwalker Ranch, uh, the history of Skinwalker Ranch begins... Uh, more with the, the Yintah Basin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I think it's the Yintah Basin um, in eastern Utah. And there was a war between the Ute Native American peoples and the Navajo Native American peoples, who, if I'm correct, neither of which were actually originally native to the area. I think they were both from other parts of the country. Um, <clears throat> and they they were fighting a war, and the Utes were winning, and because of the presence of the Spanish and the French and uh, the the americans in the area they found that not only could they kill their enemies they could also sell them into slavery for a decent amount of money which they could then spend to buy guns and horses and ammunition and all sorts of stuff from the americans and the spanish um so rather than continue to fight this war and see their people sold off into slavery the navajo put a curse on the land it was a skinwalker curse and that that tract of land where skinwalker ranch resides today is now known as being along the path of the skinwalker so the utes won't go near it because they believe there are skinwalkers there and that the the territory is cursed and haunted um the navajo are the ones who put the curse there so they also believe in that and some of the settlers of the area have also started to catch on that you know maybe there's a native american curse on this land um so that's where the history of the ranch begins and then People started to build on the ranch in the early 1900s, 1905, 1930. You had some UFO sightings through the 50s. And then in the 80s, a family, the Sherman family, uh, Gwen and Terry Sherman, and their kids bought the ranch. And immediately things started to go off the rails. Uh, The very first day they were there. There was a wolf, a huge wolf, that attacked one of their calves, was just gnawing on it. No matter what they did, they shot it, they stabbed it, they hit it with axes, it would not let go, and then eventually just got bored and meandered off into the forest, and they followed its tracks into the forest, but it completely had disappeared, just wasn't there. And that was just the first of, of many strange happenings. Um, I think I'm just going to go piece by piece with this so I don't lose my train of thought and go over what that might have been. Um... In terms of the lore and the tradition around it, that point for point screams Skinwalker saying, get off my land. Uh, that's That seems like a warning shot. Uh, the fact that it appeared and could not be harmed by normal human tools. Uh, decided to gnaw on a calf for a little bit and then disappear into the forest. You know, that, that sounds like typical skinwalker a lot of times when people report skinwalker sightings what they're saying they've seen is a large black dog or a coyote or a wolf where the proportions are off its legs might bend the wrong way the point of it is they're they're seeing a large animal that can't be harmed by human means um you know they'll people will report uh being you know driving down a new mexico highway at 80 miles an hour and hearing a knock on their back window um You know, if you talk to Navajo people about this, this is something they take extremely seriously. Same with the Utes; Uh, this is not a joke to them. And so, I don't think anybody should take it as a joke. I think if anybody knows what has what, you know, what lurks in the dark of America's wildernesses, it's probably the Native Americans. Um, So, I think it's important to take what they're saying seriously. Uh, But yeah, that first instance of the. That first instance of that giant wolf attacking their uh, their flock, their their cattle, screamed Skinwalker to me. So uh, what, what do you think, Aiden?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of possibilities, yeah, it could be like some wolf or something like that. Um, it's, it's a weird color for a wolf, you know? Because it was described as just, like, big and black and, and things like that. And most wolves are... I mean, there are such things as black-furred wolves, but they're rare. Yeah. Uh, at least in terms of, you know, naturally occurring and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. And the biggest thing is the fact that it wasn't able to be harmed by human means. I mean... Remind me what exact weapons they were using. Uh,
1: rifles, shotguns, axes...
0: So, like, what kind of... Like, do we know anything about the ammunition they were using and things like that? Not
1: particularly, but if you shoot something with any of those things,
0: it's... Yes and no. So, my only thought is that... You yeah, know, it doesn't matter. If you if
1: you shoot a wolf with a 9mm, it's at least going to react.
0: Oh, yeah, going to react, for sure. thing is, it didn't. Okay. So, see, that's... <laughs> the thing, report cause... is
1: that it just was unfazed.
0: Got it. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, if you shoot, you know... If you shoot a large animal with, you know... 22 22 it's not going to do much but if you shoot it with a forty-five, seventy, yeah it should drop but yeah, exactly you know,
1: you know and consider these ranch hands you know these are yeah they, they, they are probably carrying a henry um
0: yeah i would assume so at the very least yeah so
1: that's that's what you're looking at for the first instance and i know with the skinwalker ranch tv show that came out um they said that they tested the fur they pulled some of the fur off it, and this is where I don't know, this is where I get skeptical, mm. because I don't know when to trust reality TV, um, I don't know when to trust a documentary crew, but they say that they had it tested, and the test DNA came back as being a dire wolf, uh, without going too deeply into what dire wolves are. If you've seen Game of Thrones, the idea for a long time has been that dire wolves are an extinct race of giant wolves, very similar to the, the American or European gray wolf, um, this is no longer to believe to be the case. We believe that dire wolves, to the extent that they did exist, were more likely related to foxes or dingoes than they are to gray wolves. Um, but they also were likely much larger. Mm. But they and also they probably weren't black. They were probably uh, fox-colored, kind of that like orange-brown color. Mm. So I'm skeptical when. The Skimwalker Ranch TV show people say it's oh it was Direwolf for for like I don't know about that one I don't know about that chief um so yeah so that's the first instance I uh, the next one was they noticed when they got inside the house that all of the doors inside the house had deadbolts on them um I have locks on my front door my bedroom door and my bathroom door I have three doors. Because I live in an apartment. But uh, my parents' house, there are not locks on any doors except for the bathrooms and the doors get into the house. Your house is probably the same way. Um, I I know most people, most houses I've been in don't have deadbolts on all the doors. Uh, The only reason I can think of that you would have deadbolts on all the doors is that you're worried that if somebody forgets to leave the main door locked, something's going to come in and you want to have a second line of defense. Which would make sense considering that one of the other things that they would see around the property was seven foot tall, pure black figures with no faces, just roaming around the ranch. That these figures would walk up to the windows, would tap on the windows, would fidget with the locks, would essentially, it seemed like they were testing to see if they could get in, but they didn't seem intent on breaking in. But if there was a door that was unlocked, they were going to take it. So whoever had built the ranch, whoever had built the house and owned it prior to the Shermans, somebody had installed these deadbolts. Um, and the for a long time, they didn't know where these seven-foot-tall beings were coming from. And that went on until a little bit later. They discovered that the, – the children discovered that there were orange orbs floating around the property at night. And they would look into the orbs, and through the orbs, they could see blue skies and – you know, daylight, daytime, you know, pastures and stuff like that, and they would be just watching the orbs, and out of the orbs you'd have a tall, black, faceless creature climb out and start walking off towards the forest, which is terrifying to think about. Um, and, oh my god. This then... Uh, I think this was the last incident before uh, NIDS got involved, which was the National Institute for Discovery Science, which is Robert Bigelow's uh, first foray into paranormal research. And Robert Bigelow was a multi-billionaire who wanted to prove that the paranormal was out there. So he put together a team of skeptical scientists, and they went down to Skimwalker Ranch. They bought it from the Sherman family and kept the Shermans on as ranch hands to maintain the cattle population and maintain the land and the Shermans started to report a few other things one time they were tagging newborn calves so just putting the tags in their ears uh and one was born they tagged it they walked away they were maybe 45 minutes working on another calf uh as it was being born and when they went back to check on the first calf they found it completely dissected uh bloodless they basically just found the legs but there was no blood there w- it looked like somebody had taken the calf put it on a surgical table dissected it to understand how it worked and then just cleaned it out and put it back where it was they called down the nids scientists nobody could explain that one the veterinarian that was with nids it basically was like yeah that's you could not possibly have done that here. This was done professionally. Um, I don't know what to tell you, but it's impossible. You, you held your hand up.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, do me a favor. Drop the uh, the mic and the, the pop filter a little bit. It's like covering you up like a mask. Like that? Is that better? A little bit more. Just the
1: pop filter. Is that better?
0: This down just a little bit.
1: Is that better? Oh my God, dude! I don't what care if the people see? can see me. I don't care. Well, I think the people care. Yeah, but the now the people can tell me whether or not or you care. Now, but and... I think you should care. Okay. All right. Now you're so good. anyway, uh, among the other strange happenings, uh, Terry and Gwen went for a drive across the property one day. They passed a bullpen. There were four bulls in the pen, and. When they got back 30 minutes later, the bulls were no longer in the pen. So they got out, went to look for the bulls. Where are the bulls? The bulls are in a trailer right next to the bullpen, all four of them packed in, which is a feat that just to get one bull inside of a trailer in 30 minutes, uh, pretty much impossible. Squeezing four bulls into a trailer where four bulls don't really fit, even more impossible. Um So, they were basically, again, they had no explanation for how that happens. It's just suddenly there are four bowls inside the trailer. Probably the most, probably the scariest happening out of all of these. Oh, and of course, there's the the auger situation where he was digging a, a bunch of fence posts and he went inside to get a drink of water. This is Terry Sherman, and he came back outside. The auger was gone. They went into the woods and found it 70 feet up in a tree. This is a several hundred pound tool. You cannot move these... You know, a small one, one person might be able to move, but it would still be awkward. To get a full size one, 70 feet into a tree, would require a crane. You, you just couldn't do it. You also just wouldn't do it, because what, what utility is there to having a fence digging tool in a tree? Um, kids didn't do it, he didn't do it, NIDS didn't do it, so... They had no explanation for that one, but the scariest one out of all of them is definitely the blue orbs that would float around. Uh, Terry would report seeing lights off in the forest, and no matter what he did, he couldn't chase them off. He could never reach them. One night, he saw a blue orb floating around. His dogs were barking at it. He let the dogs go off after it, and it seemed to retreat. He was like, "Oh, thank God! You know that we finally, finally caught a break here. We scared it off." Then they heard the dogs yelping, and he decided, "You know what? I don't want to deal with that." He went inside locked all the doors, went to bed, went out the next morning and went looking for the dogs, and all he found was three piles of ashes. So something vaporized his dogs. Uh, after several years at the site, um, Nids basically was like, yeah, we we can't explain any of this. We have no idea what's going on. None of this makes sense. And the the Bigelow basically had had nothing further to say he was like all right well i've proved that it's not natural so the land eventually went to the government under uh not it was not owned by the government but it was it was per- privately sold again but the u.s government i uh, i think it's like the advanced aviation threat intervention program or something it's aaitp i can't remember exactly what it stands for off the top of my head but they started doing research on the area, continuing the ranch, to, continuing to allow the ranch to be privately owned and operated, uh, documentary crews occasionally being allowed on, and this was under the auspices of essentially figuring out what was going on with the UFO activity that had been report, reported since the 1950s. This was under Harry Reid, uh, the that then Senate Majority Leader. Uh, if you go through and you read the Podesta emails from 2016 from wikileaks uh what you're gonna see is that tom delonge from blink 182 was communicating with john podesta and harry reid about hillary clinton declassifying the information about aliens should she be elected president which is just an absurd thing that actually happened um
0: just those fun little details yeah exactly that
1: much better Fun little details. Hillary Clinton was going to tell us about the aliens. Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, Neither did John McAfee. Uh, But, you know, anyway, moving swiftly along. uh, The government has maintained research control over the area. Documentary crews are allowed to come in and do their own testing and things as long as it's okay with the landowner. Uh, The one thing that people are not allowed to do is dig. Uh, The government said no digging. And there have been sounds of machinery heard from underground at the ranch. The one time people were allowed to dig on the property, the government told them they could dig in a very specific location. I found this out the other day. Uh, And what they found was that the groundwater under the ranch was magnetic.
0: Uh, I don't know how
1: you... I'm not a scientist. I don't know how you get magnetic water.
0: I was going to say, like... dude. Okay. Did they say, like, there were magnetic elements within the water, or did they say the water itself?
1: The What I read said the water itself was magnetized. Like, charged. Electromagnetically charged water.
0: Okay, that makes a little more sense, because water can hold an electric be, charge. But why would it be? Underground. Yeah. That unless, doesn't make much sense. Unless you've got, like, a power line that has a break in it that is somehow crossing within the yeah. water table... But out there no. at Skinwalker Ranch, highly unlikely no. that there is a powered cable underneath yeah. the ground.
1: So essentially you've got electromagnetically charged water <laughs> underground. And on top of that, you've got machinery noises underground and a government agency saying, no, you can't dig. Um, to me, all of that sounds like there is something definitely going on at Skinwalker Ranch. Something going on in the wider Yinta Basin. I... I, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think, uh, given the information that you've learned over the past couple days?
0: I mean, uh, from a general standpoint, at the very least, there's something weird going on there. I mean, you can't look at all of this, Evan, even if you're the most skeptical person about the paranormal, which I'm, I'm not the most skeptical, but I'm pretty skeptical. Considering all of these stories throughout this long history of time, and the detail of the stories, the specific elements that just don't, like even just the fact that all of the rooms in the house had deadbolts, that alone must make you say, okay, what's going on here? Because it's something. Like there, It you know, without any other context whatsoever, you have to be able to look at that and say, okay, what is going on here? And then when you add all of these paranormal elements to it, like things ending up in trees, the wolf creature thing that wasn't affected by you know gunfire and axes and things like that, and then you know you look at these essentially what they were portals, you know the the you know the orbs uh, and shadow figures coming out of them that are taller and not the correct proportions of normal humans, and then you know now you're talking about you know the electromagnet or electromagnetized water, it just it, there's too much occurring within a small window of just space for it to not warrant massive questions and just like continuous questions Mm -hmm. because none of the questions that are being asked by anybody are getting proper answers. And that's the curious thing is the government evading giving proper answers. Who would have think? Who would have thought? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. There are way too many things that stand out as unanswerable or not even unanswerable just things that clearly require or desire further investigation and the fact that further investigation is not being allowed to occur that in and of itself is the biggest red flag
1: yep i love that you said think instead of thought there uh that really really made me happy um yeah so it's it's one of those situations where there is you know I think one of the weirdest things about it is that if you look at another top secret area like Area 51, nobody's allowed there. People aren't allowed at Area 51. People are allowed at Skinwalker Ranch. So it seems to me that they're using Skinwalker Ranch's paranormal reputation to cover up whatever they're actually doing there. Um, you know, Native American curse or not. There probably is a Native American curse. There probably are Skinwalkers at Skinwalker Ranch. Um, but it seems to me like the government is using that to cover up some sort of research. Uh, You know, the, the portals thing I find very interesting because could that be a situation where the government has figured out how to open up portals between either different worlds or one place on Earth and another and they're trying to figure out, you know, maybe the cattle mutilations were them sending cows through the portals and then the autopsies were to determine if there was any internal damage from the portals and then maybe the people climbing through them were wearing some sort of protective gear and that's why they appeared too tall with no faces in pure black. You know, there, there, there are a lot of possibilities and that's getting into like deep into conspiracy theory territory, but it's always an interesting thing to think about. Um, And I am going to take a a quick break right here to give a a little bit of a sponsorship shout out. Um, Aiden, do I smell good? You generally smell quite fabulous. I generally smell quite good. And uh, that is because I use Duke cannon supply co and I use that for my soaps, my hair, and uh, my my shampoo and conditioner. And I, uh, you know, I personally, you know, it's it's cold pressed soap. It's all natural ingredients. Stuff is phenomenal. I use it all the time. Um, I will I will probably never go back to dollar store, drugstore uh, hair products um, and skincare products. The stuff is gross. Men, I know you don't think you need to take care of your skin and your hair, but Duke Cannon makes it very easy to do so, and do so healthfully. Uh, as you can see, Aiden and I both have luscious, soft-to-the-touch hair, and it's, it's really, you know, if you were here with us, we would both say, yeah, go ahead, run your hands through it, understand, feel, f- taste the rainbow. Um, but if you're interested in getting some of your own Duke Cannon Supply Co. products, go to linktr.ee slash the Aiden Mattis and click on the Duke Cannon Supply Co. link in there. And that will take you to their website so go ahead and do that if you're feeling uh, feeling like you want to feel fresh and uh, you know the the ladies will love it your your grandmother will love kissing you on the forehead Uh, babies will love you small animals will love you and most importantly you're less likely to get cancer than if you use what is classified as detergent by the FDA so uh, that said back to Skinwalker Ranch Um, I think my favorite my favorite theory regarding Skimwalker Ranch is regarding the the blue orbs. Uh, Because what if the government actually does have a weapon that is a floating blue orb that shoots out lightning and can vaporize organic beings? Um, If we do have that, how are we still in Afghanistan? Yeah. Why does the Taliban still exist? Um... Well, again, but you know, think about it, because that one—that one seems very plausible.
0: Yeah, well, that one seems very plausible. But I guess at the same point, you know, you have to. Th- there are a number of variables that you need to know before you can utilize that as a weapon. And considering that the Taliban and all those things, all those kind of human like, rights codes and whatnot. <laughs> but like Geneva Convention, like you, you, ha- you kind of have to know where everybody is, and you know True. what this, you know the like. If you're trying to put somebody or something into a cave system where people are hiding out, you need a thorough three dimensional map of that cave system so people or the weapon doesn't show up within a rock formation mm-hmm. instead of the actual tunnel. Exactly. So, but this is again going very far into the conspiracy could you, theory. Could you territory. you imagine
1: like a, being able to pilot like a little blue drone That'd and be sick. it just shoots lightning at people? It'd be crazy. Like, oh my god. The, the it would be awesome if it had like a really low power setting too, mm-hmm. so you could just set it to like a little zap.
0: Yeah, just so piss everybody off. Yeah,
1: so like you know you're you're hanging out on a Sunday and you know your your kid didn't get invited to some classmate's birthday party, so like you just you pilot your little drone over to the birthday party and you, you zap the birthday boy a few times. You know, just
0: meanwhile, give him a Meanwhile, his parents just got him the blue ward drone. And then he goes to zap you to get you back, but he forgot to turn down the level, and then you're dead.
1: Yeah, and then he and his parents both go to prison. It's a win-win for your kid. Um,
0: uh, yeah. Revenge is a Die dish. Die in the
1: line of duty like a man. Revenge is a dish best served, electromagnetically charged. Exactly. Maybe that's where the electromagnetically charged water came from. Maybe it is. <laughs> They're zapping. It
0: makes so much sense.
1: <laughs> They're putting electromagnetism lightning drones in the water to turn the freaking water supply magnetic
0: <laughs> if only edmund dantes had a little blue orb that shot electricity it would have need, made his venture a lot easier
1: i need alex jones to explain the blue orbs that shoot electricity to me i don't need it to be a correct explanation i just need alex jones explaining that to do me do
0: you want to do your best attempt at
1: being alex jones explaining that no oh god i don't i don't think that's a good idea um, why because I, I just can't think of anything off the top of my head, and if I do, it's probably going to come out super offensive.
0: Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I
1: probably will not say the correct words.
0: Um, oh boy, but yeah. Um, I mean, if you if you claim you're just in the character of Alex Jones, exactly. pretty much anything can pass.
1: <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty retarded. Um. <laughs>
0: Still, what probably the yeah.
1: the. Best quote from him oh, of all God. time. It's, it's phenomenal. An amazing quote. Um, I am a gorilla. Murder yourself. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what did yeah, just Quoting Alex Jones things that I remember. Although when that, did
0: he say that? He said
1: it on Tim Pool's show. Um, really? Yeah. It was like, and wow. you're like, Alex, what are you talking about, my guy? And then they changed it into a whole other thing. Michael Malice was doing like a whole, I am a gorilla. Love yourself, kind of mm. thing. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's just they have a T-shirt that has a gorilla on it now. That's part of their brand. Yeah. See, oh, up.
0: speaking of brand. There we go. See,
1: we are professionals. We do know how to segue. We anyway. do, in fact, now have merch uh, that is, again, in that same link tree because I haven't bought a domain yet. But, Aiden, uh, you want to toss the – it's linktr.ee link slash the Aiden Mattis. Uh, and if you go to that, it will have a link to our Teespring store. Where you can buy official Lore Lodge merch. Currently, we have some understated tees, some overstated tees. We got the Lift Lodge. Um, we've got uh, some phone cases, some mugs, all, all good stuff. But you uh, said
0: linktr.ee/slash/the/the the Aiden Mattis, right? Yes. Cool. Just making sure. Um, <laughs> so that
1: you know, if you want to, if you want to buy some Lore Lodge merch and support the show, that's a good way to do it. Um, but uh, what time is it? It is seven forty. Perfect. Let's move on to the elves. Perfect. <laughs> So w- one of the things I have kind of become aware of the more I've been doing this cross examination of mythologies is the similarities between uh, elves in Nordic mythology and the Tuatha Dé in um, Gaelic mythology. Some of the some of the characters in uh, Welsh mythology, but that's very Christianized. It's hard to actually keep track. But just uh, you know, there's there's a lot of subsections of gods that you don't quite get an explanation of when you're talking when you're when you're in grade school. Uh, so in, in Norse mythology, you've got uh, a few different a few different classes of gods. You've got uh, the Jotnar, who are the frost giants, and they're not the gods, but they are these um, you know these kind of primordial beings. The gods themselves tend to be descended from, um, from Jotun, from I, either they have a, a giant mother or a giant father. Um, they're not necessarily large, but they're just known as frost giants. Uh, so, for example, Odin is the son of the first Aesir god and a Jotnar uh, giant wife. Uh, Loki is the son of a Jotnar and a god S. Uh, it's not referred to exactly... She's only ever referred to that one time. And Loki is also one of the only Norse gods who is referred to in the matrilineal. So he's Loki Laufison, I think. Um, and then there's the Icier and the Vanir. And the Icier are kind of the more... I don't want to call them the the more masculine gods, but they're the more uh, like aggressive set of gods they're the gods of activities and of thunder and of blacksmithing and the gods of knowledge and all those things. And then the Vanir are more like fertility gods, gods of nature, um, things like that. So it, they're not necessarily like a lower tier of gods, but they're also not quite... Like you wouldn't pray to a Vanir god before battle. You would pray to Odin or Thor. Um and then separate from the Vanir, you have kind of this subclass of semi-divine beings who are kind of these, kind of like nature spirits who are elves. And they're not touched on a ton in Norse mythology, at least not what we still have of it. But what we know is that they were fairer. They were stronger than humans. They had semi-divine capabilities. Uh, they lived in their own plane of existence in Alfheim. Um and when you compare that across mythologies, you get very close to how the Tuatha are described. Uh, the Tuatha Dé from Irish mythology. And these are the people who, as I said last week, are the, they were one of the invading groups from Ireland, um, who uh, I think they were the... They're the one of the descendants of the Nemedians. Um, and they're driven out by the Bolg, but they are these god-like beings they are not in the version we have now they are not gods but they are more like semi-divine beings who have control over certain aspects of nature um over certain parts of reality they are very similar to the nordic concept of elves they're these beautiful uh you know superhumans who are beloved of the gods and they are the ones who retreat into the fairy mounds when Humanity drives them out. Um, and that's how you get into the whole otherworld thing. So, uh, you know, just for. I want to get your opinion on a skept, as a skeptic here about, you know, the possibility of elves having existed alongside human beings at some point. Um, you know, did the idea of them retreating into the fairy mounds and becoming part of a pocket dimension? And then, of course, I. Uh, the classic alex jones quote of when you do dmt you're going to meet the clockwork machine elves and and if you think all of this somehow ties together or if this is just the ramblings of a madman
0: have you ever tried dmt (laughs) come on (laughs) (laughs) uh sorry had to um I don't know about the pocket dimension. I mean, those things are... I liked your analysis Out of... Out of all of that, the pocket dimension is the one you're not sure about? Okay. Uh, give me a second here. Okay. I'm getting into okay. it. I'm getting right. into it. Okay. So, give me, give me a second. <sighs> anyway. Uh, yeah. No, the thing I started with the pocket dimension thing is because I liked your analysis of dimensions within... I can't remember which video it was, but just kind of the idea of, you know, when discussing dimensions and... Other worlds possible, and multidimensional beings. Exactly when discussing the idea of dimensions, you know, it's kind of this, you know, ethereal, you know, out there thing of like, oh, there's other dimensions that existence can happen in. And then you think back and your are waiting because you reined it in, you're like, well, let's hang on, let's take a second, think about this for, you know, a minute. Every religion describes different dimensions, in a sense, they don't use the word dimensions, because it's a modern term. But you use the examples of heaven and hell as essentially being other dimensions in which existence occurs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Christianity and things like that, and Judaism. Judaism that... does
1: not have the same concepts of heaven and hell. Good to know. Yeah. He's also a religious um, scholar. I am yeah. not. Anyway. Just, I will briefly touch on that go really ahead. quick. Uh, Judaism does have an afterlife, but it is a much more ambiguous afterlife. Mm. Uh, there is kind of, there is not this description as there is in Christianity of heaven being this place where you'll go and be in communion with God and never want for anything, never need anything. It's kind, It's more of a neutral Um eternal existence where you will be happy you'll be fulfilled but you you know it's not it's not glorified so much and it's not even discussed that much Mm. uh the the focus of judaism is much more on your earthly life whereas christianity is much more on securing your place in the afterlife uh and then in judaism you also and i might be getting this part wrong but you have the concept of uh shoal which is i guess you could relate it to tartarus Um, Mm -hmm. In Greek mythology, because this all probably, these ethnic and cultural groups were all in contact with one another, where um, Shoal would be, you know, where you're separated from the congregation of the Lord, and you are not necessarily, it's not like Christian hell where you're in eternal torment, but Mm -hmm. you're just in this kind of place of non-existence almost, where Mm -hmm. it's it's just,
0: eh. So it's almost... You kind of fade out of existence. So it's not eternal torment yeah yeah yeah. it it almost sounds more like the christian idea of uh purgatory yes yeah yeah very similar but go on so yeah so essentially going into that you know potentially you know in terms of the that element of it i think on a scientific and historical level i think the idea of because elves is another modern term well modern-ish term um i don't know how how far back does that term terminology go do you know Elves, yeah, ooh, long, long way back. Like that specific term. Like
1: like the 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 Norse have believed in elves for a very long time. Okay, well, elf elf comes from alf, which is a Norse term.
0: Got it. So, nonetheless, I I was going to essentially say that, like, okay, Proto Norse at least. So, so let me adjust what I was going to say then. It's not the term, but it's the kind of the idea of the term in the sense of modern visions of the word elf immediately links it to fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not something that anybody thinks of existing. It's mm-hmm. something that th- people think of as in, like, Lord of the Rings or different other, you know, elements like that. But, you know, something that we just kind of discovered within the past few couple hundred years are, you know, Neanderthals and, you know, Homo halibus and all of these other human-like creatures that were not Homo sapiens, but they were close, They just had different features, different capabilities, and things like that. Who's to say that there was not another group of humanoid beings? Again, slightly different in features, slightly different in makeup,
1: but with the capability to shift between dimensions. And I mean, and if you look at it in terms of world religions and world cultures, mm -hmm. you know, the way that we get this description of elves is them being these extremely fair, powerful. Uh, You might call them mighty men, even, Um, which, if we'll remember Genesis 6, which I mentioned a few weeks ago on the Friday uh, episode, is how the Nephilim, the children of the Nephilim, are described. So this all cycles right back in to Near Eastern mythology and and religion Mm. with the idea that, you know, the the Irish have these semi-divine beings. Uh, the Norse have these semi-divine beings. The Judeo-Christian faith has these semi-divine beings. Um, the East Asian and Southeast Asian faiths have semi-divine beings. Uh, Native American faiths have semi-divine beings who all share these essential characteristics that they are uh, stronger than the average man, beautiful, and just at a certain point, fade from existence. As far as we know, um, the the Norse have the explanation that they exist in a separate plane of existence, a separate dimension, Alfheim. Uh, the Celts say that they retreated into the other world, and in uh, Judeo-Christian lore, they they were killed um, or they went somewhere else. I mm. uh,
0: I don't know as much about the the Hindi and. Uh, east asian faith so my question there is is mainly in the norse and other you know ideologies or you know religions in terms of what happened to these elves where exactly do they say they went uh it depends on which one you're looking at like like
1: i said in in the norse one it's they're they're in alfheim they're in this specific world that is the the world of the elves like Mm. midgard is the world of the humans and asgard is the world of the gods Mm. um and there are ways in Norse mythology to travel between realms. There's also some suggestion that the Norse didn't really think of it quite as these were separate realms, but that these were realms that intersected and interwove. And sometimes you could be in two of them at once. Um, You know, the idea that uh, Asgard and Jotunheim kind of run right up against each other and they're just separated by this giant river. Uh, You know, that, you could interpret that in a lot of ways through a modern lens, through a critical literary lens. What are we looking at here? Mm. Um, But yeah, so in in Norse mythology, they have their own plane, Alfheim. And in uh, Celtic mythology, they went into the other world. So they went underground. Um, In Judeo-Christian theology, uh, the, the Nephilim were killed in the great flood or I uh, you know at times you know in the Apocrypha you, you have them hunted down um, and some of them you know there's a suggestion that there may have been a tribe of Nephilim that survived the flood and all the way up until uh, you know the the time of Moses um, but yeah so they each have kind of a different explanation for where they went but that explanation is usually they entered another dimension or they live in another dimension. um, And now they don't walk alongside us anymore, but they are widespread throughout mythology,
0: Mm.
1: which I think is very interesting. It is. Uh, The natives, however, do there, there are native American and first nations legends about giants that are quite literally like 30 stories tall. Um, But that's, you know, There are some things that we can look at and go, yeah, there's some archaeological, anthropological evidence that supports that. And then there are stories that you've got to look at as fantastical, which I would include 30-foot-tall giants and, you know, like Mars coming down and birthing the family of Julius Caesar among those.
0: That's a new one for me. Yeah,
1: the Julii, Julii or the brutii I forget exactly which one, but one of the two claimed to be descended from Mars. Um, and, Mar- and and claiming claiming uh ancestry with gods was very common throughout <laughs> yeah, let's history.
0: Just, let's just clarify that Mars is the Roman god. Of god. Yes. Roman god of war. Yep.
1: Um Yeah, so but my, my point there being that there every culture, as much as they have a lot of similar legends about plausible things, mm. probably have an equal amount of legends about probably not. Like mm. the the Norse believed that when you saw thunder and lightning, that was Thor fighting with the Jotun.
0: Hmm.
1: Probably not. It's probably just thunder and lightning. Um, but a lot of times, cultures would use these kinds of things to explain natural phenomenon, such as thunder and lightning would be, you know, in Scandinavia, it would be Thor fighting the giants. Uh, in Greece, it would be Zeus throwing a temper tantrum. Um, yeah, so you got things like that. Uh, a lot. So a lot of ancient pagan myths and legends have to do with explaining natural phenomenon in a way that we can now explain. And those are the ones that I kind of look at. And I'm like, all right, we have an explanation for that. Which is why I take more of an interest in the ones we don't have an explanation for. Such as Wendigo and Nephilim and Tua De Danan and things like that. Where it's like, what, what's your concrete explanation of that? Because we have a concrete explanation of thunder. Hmm. We don't have a concrete explanation of fairy mounds. Oh. so what time we got?
0: It is seven fifty-six. So do we I want to know, start? Gearing I think up we for, should uh,
1: gear up for questions. Did uh, I succeed in turning super chats on this week?
0: Uh, we're gonna find out. Could you let us know in the comments whether or not uh, we what? succeeded in super Do super chats? Also, before we hop into comments, can you, you not see we, it? Uh, well, I can see them, but I. <sighs> uh, I don't know. Oh wait, yeah, no. I can see a little money button. It's oh, support the lure lodge. Yeah, there's a little there's a money sign. So oh, can I see? Uh, I've
1: never seen this before, so I'm excited, so I'm gonna walk around here really quick.
0: Fair enough, go. While
1: Hayden picks a question.
0: Uh yep, we don't have any questions yet. Feel free to send them in now. This little dollar sign here, I believe. Yeah, that's what it is. Cool. Um so while we're waiting for questions to come in, why don't we uh kind of plug ourselves, let people know where they can find us. Also sure, that makes sense. Do we want to uh, do we want to announce the the box, the mailbox? Oh yeah.
1: Uh, so for the time being, uh, if people would like to send us things, I feel pretty secure in giving out my mailbox, uh, which is I guess you can type this in the, the chat. Yep. Um, it's 131 Bridge Street and that's apartment 1425. Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. You said 1335? No, 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 1425.
0: There we go. That's much better.
1: Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, zip code 19460. Please don't send me anthrax or ricin. I will be very upset with you. Um, I will call your mother and tell her that you are not allowed at Thanksgiving anymore. If you are in a country that doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, then I will find a culturally appropriate holiday to ban you from. Um, also that does go to a secure locked mailbox. So don't think about sending me anything funky. Um, and we will be setting up a PO box at some point, probably when we figure out where our permanent residence is going to be for the next year or so. Yep. Um, but yeah, if you want to send us stuff, uh, feel free to do it that way.
0: I don't know what you would send us, but whether it's, so ideas are, uh, we know a couple people have some desires to send us some equipment to help us. Improve the quality of both this show and other shows and allow us to do some in-the-field work, um, which would be incredible. Uh, We'd love to be able to get out in the field and record things properly, but, you know, as of right now, it's just a little difficult. We Um, have no money. We have no money. (laughs) Um, We did just get a Super Chat, though, for $2, which I will will ask that question first. All Super Chat questions get priority. Yes. Um, We don't have a
1: ton of questions, but... We did last time, and in the future, you know, we will, as, as this grows, we will have to prioritize yes. the super chat questions.
0: Yes. So, anyway, um, it's, it's kind of along the lines of we don't have to answer every question, but we have to answer super chat questions. That is the rule we have
1: set for ourselves, yes. is we will answer all super chat questions. And so. if we get through them and there's questions
0: remaining, we will answer those questions. Yes. So, if there's a question you're dying to really have us here... Um, and we just haven't gotten to it yet, uh, as we're closing out to the end of the show, if you want to do that, it'll guarantee that we yes, will, a- we will answer, answer
1: every Super Jack question.
0: Yes. So, uh, and then, you know, so uh, in terms of the, the P.O. box, if you want to send us, you know, fan art and things like that, we're going to put it on the wall behind us, so that way it's there every episode. Um, it, all of that would be greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. We know we've had some submissions for that, so if you're one of those people who has created something and wants to send it to us somehow, now you have that opportunity, um, anything I mean even if it's just a note saying like you know thanks you know for doing what you're doing or just literally anything I mean, a lock of be, your
1: hair for Aiden to sniff before bed every night
0: it'll just it'll help me with my dreams it's better than he's already D, got seven
1: locks of hair so many
0: locks anyway um, so yeah so there's that so you're going to be able to do that um, you know you can still find him on TikTok at yes. The Aid Mattis along with Instagram and Snapchat Snapchat uh also, uh we did launch
1: the Lore Lodge Clips um TikTok. So yes. if you look up the Lore Lodge clips on TikTok, uh there will be a lot of content posted on there in the future. Right now it's just got one video, but that's gonna be uh clips from our our live shows, from our uh our Friday episodes, all of that. So that, those will be some of the more professionally done, nicer ones that aren't just TikToks. Yep. Um, and those will be me. probably be up to three minutes. Those will probably be like three minute long clips. Yeah. So you'll be able to catch those. Um, if you're watching this and you're not subscribed on YouTube yet, go ahead and smash the like button and subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Um, you know, I'' uh, will we'll we should go down to Philly and film us hitting the Liberty Bell and make that a notification bell symbol. Would we that might be legal? as well. Can we do that? Probably not. Probably not, but like... Can we sneak in? Yes. I think... We're
0: not going to do that. I think Benjamin Franklin would be proud. I think Ben Franklin would be proud. Of idea. us. Um, um, you know, the the history's biggest player, uh, if you've read What on a on guy. He what a just, guy. He really just said, let me invent about two dozen things, spend about the entire war in France just with a different Platten woman every sheets. night, and then come home and bring chlamydia things. to the new world he really did blame him for stds he created all of them in fact he invented them he did that was one of the few dozen things he invented exactly. the first yeah. dozen things he invented useful uh pieces of machinery the second chlamydia all 12 actually we yeah. just different versions of chlamydia they were all variants yep all right do we have questions to answer <laughs> yes we do uh so the first question is the super chat question uh two dollars from commander canada two three or two one three yo canada my guy asks us do you miss the rage the the rage (laughs) the rage (laughs) i don't know what he means i don't know either but i I, do i miss the rage answer the question as honestly as possible Without any content, just yes, just like do you just? Well, what? I did have anger issues as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, d- d- assume that's what he's talking about, do and I give us the answer. Miss the rage? Uh, no, I've been vibing. I kind of enjoy vibing.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. I, I don't miss Rage Against the Machine. If that was the question, why? Um, because they were all about not being corporate sellouts, and then their most recent tour, the tickets were like 200 bucks for general admission, which is just ridiculous, right? That's insane. That's insane. Like, I, I'm going to an all-time low concert this summer. You want to know what the tickets cost me for a six-band lineup? How much? 96 bucks. That's it? That's it. Nice. T- for two. Not bad. Yeah. How are you going to be Rage Against the Machine and then be the machine?
0: I am the machine. Sorry. (laughs) sellouts. Anyway, next question. Uh, this is from corrupt slack row podcast. Uh, could fleshy boys have some sort of burial rituals? And that's why we don't find the carcasses.
1: I have not entertained that theory. It's possible, but I, I, I think if you were looking at, if you were looking at skinwalkers, particularly, then that's possible. Um, that, that because they do they do have a social structure with elders and everything, uh, but at the same time, skinwalkers are human in in form. Uh, so you would have to so you wouldn't really have a reason for a burial ritual. Whereas wendigos, uh, the the idea is that they are made biologically immortal by their curse. Um. So they, and they're also very solitary. So they wouldn't. Bury each other. Uh, so, un- unfortunately, the more likely possibility is the more terrifying possibility, which is that uh, they don't die all that often.
0: I would say most likely. So, okay, we have another one from Commander Canada as a five dollar uh, oh. submission. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, again, like we said, super chats get priority. So, um, have you ever seen the show Lost Tapes and the episode, uh, the episode Skinwalker and Wendigo? I have not. Uh,
1: is it on Hulu or Netflix? That's a good question. We will we'll look into that. Yeah, um, we will look into that. Yeah, uh, that would be a, a great thing for us to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. Inevitably, we could probably end up doing critiques of different programs, calling out whether yeah. or not they're BS. I think we'll have a lot of time to do that soon. Yeah, probably. Um,
1: as, as we as we manage to create a better schedule for ourselves where we can create content more efficiently we're finding we have time to do things we didn't think we had time to do it's great
0: we're getting there slowly but surely you know
1: also if you would like to join aiden and i on our fitness journey um we will be uh going on a fitness journey
0: yes so tonight is the last night that we are allowing ourselves to be anything but just brutal brutally yeah so we've got our poppums. yep we got the poppums.
1: Quick question. I'm curious. Uh, very Pennsylvania question about to happen here. Yes. Uh, Entenmann's or Tasty Cake? Uh,
0: it depends on what I'm having. Personally, I I prefer Tasty Cake. So it, it depends. If it's like those cupcake type things, Tasty Cake oh takes God, the bet, dude. The, oh, the butterscotch crimpets. Yeah, and and the things oh. with the, like the cream fillings or whatever, fantastic. Mm. But like for just the donuts, you think Entenmann's? Yeah, I think Entenmann's rock the donuts train. That's a fair point. That's yeah. a fair point uh pep just saw she said it's on hulu and youtube so we all right that's what we will be doing tonight but anyway to go in a little bit further in depth in our fitness journey just in case anybody gives a shit yeah um (laughs) i'll
1: make a i'll make a snapchat story for our fitness journey
0: oh yeah let's do that yeah i'll make it a private
1: story so add me on snapchat if you want to be added to the fitness journey it will be goofy it will be silly yes you'll laugh you'll cry yes you'll lose 10 pounds We'll we'll lose ten pounds. um, Yes. Um. Hopefully, between the two of us,
0: I think we can lose ten pounds. I think uh, my goal is to lose like at least fifteen. If
1: you lose like thirty pounds, then I can gain twenty, and we'll still have lost ten pounds.
0: Exactly. It's fine. It works out perfectly.
1: So he's gonna lose thirty pounds. I'm gonna become obese. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, what the thing is is that so we were both working out earlier in the pandemic, and we both put on a decent amount of muscle. And then uh, I went on a road trip for about a month, and just didn't do anything except eat. Vigorously, and I don't have an excuse, I just gave up. <laughs> Fair, so we <laughs> made the pact uh late last week, and we said, you know what, we're gonna get ourselves back into shape. Uh, you know, I didn't, tell you, I didn't tell you what, oh, yeah, so we're spending our last night doing this. Uh, we're gonna drop some weight first. I ate and half we'll a domino of Domino's
1: pizza also. today,
0: yes, he's very he, he, he can eat a full pizza himself, it's impressive. Those Italian jeans, man. Oh, it absolutely is. I didn't tell you what my goal is, though. My goal is I want to be able to make the competitive, uh, ranking for the Navy SEAL entrance test just as a, you know, a goal to be able to do that. And it's, uh, I can tell you what it is if you want to know.
1: I want to be able to run a mile without feeling intense lower back pain. Okay.
0: So (laughs) the Navy SEAL PST standards. PTSD standards. Yes. Well, those we could never possibly meet, um, so first, it starts with a 500-yard yard swim in... I can do uh, that. In eight minutes. I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, that's the competitive standards. Then it's a 10-minute break. Then I you can have to definitely change. do that. Yes. Then it's 80 to 100 push-ups. I can do that. Two-minute break. 80 to 100 sit-ups. I can do that. Two-minute break. 15 to 20 pull-ups. Oh, my God, yeah. 10, or two-minute sorry, 10-minute break. And then it's a 1.5-mile timed run in 9 to 10 minutes. I can definitely do almost all of those things
1: individually. Doing them in that sequence, I would probably die.
0: Exactly. So we want to get ourselves to a point where we can do that well. I'm starting to lose faith in this fitness journey. No, sir. (laughs) uh, I I don't know about you, but I might be... Some days I might be working out twice a day. Oh. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. uh, Do we have more (laughs) questions? Yes. Uh, Another super chat from Matreon. Matreon. Yes, for $1.99. Thank you,
1: Matreon, for your
0: generous donation. Uh, it's not a question, it's just a It's a command. Okay. Be more active on Discord from the entire Discord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to tell them the schedule that you're planning? I, I put the schedule in the announcements. Would you like to tell them just in oh case they didn't right. see the announcement?
1: So I will be in the, the general... Or no, I'll be in the campfire on Discord, which is the $1 Patreon tier. Um... I guess there's also other ways to get to it, but the one dollar Patreon tier. It's
0: the one dollar Patreon tier plus
1: the seventy
0: level seventy-five and, and up. And or it's the and or and or the level seventy-five. Uh, it's up. the, I believe that's uh, investigators.
1: Okay, so point is one dollar Patreon tier or level seventy and yes. or level seventy-five and up. Yeah. Uh, that's the campfire. I'll be in there from seven to seven thirty on Tuesday nights. And then I will be in the cabin, which is the $5 Patreon tier or level 100. 100. That's the level 100, Hunter's level. And or level 100 uh, from 7 to 8 on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I yes. will be in there two and a half hours per week, guaranteed. Uh, and then I will pop into the general now and then. Um, probably going to stream some Mountain Blade. Uh, we're talking about making a Minecraft server for everybody yep. to putz around in. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that, that will be my schedule for it. Um, as As our schedules open up a little bit more, then I'll try and hop in a, a bit more. But I, I'm committing right now to those two and a half hours a week. Uh, and then when I'm not in there, I'll try and be in the general a little bit more often. Um, Going to do some Twitch streaming too, I think, once we get that all figured out. Yep. Uh, if you play um, like Modern Warfare, if you play Warzone, Battlefield, also I'll be uh, happy to... Happy to squat up with some people.
0: World of Tanks. If anybody plays World of he Tanks, he plays
1: World of Tanks. So definitely play some World of Tanks with Aiden.
0: Going to be playing some of that later on tonight. After we're in um, one of the VCs for a little bit. After this. all
1: right, yeah, uh, and we will be in the general tonight. Yes. Um, so we'll be in the general voice chat tonight. Um, say 15 minutes after the show ends, probably.
0: Yes, roughly. Right. Yeah. So from so if Val- you're not in
1: the Discord yet, join the Discord. Yep. Um. Yeah. Anything any new?
0: Uh, yeah. Other than that, so my, my schedule will be a little bit more haphazard because I, you know, I've I've got a little little more going on, uh, and I'll try and be in whatever he's in, but you know, we'll see. Um, and then, yeah. So the plugs, you know, I'm at the director Aiden on TikTok and Instagram. If you want to follow those, um, any other further plugs?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I was on, um, the cryptid and paranormal committees podcast, uh, about two weeks ago now. Um, so just, you know, Go check that out if you want some more me content. Uh, they're they're pretty cool. They're trying to get some actual investiga- investigatory stuff going. Uh, so go check that out. Toss them some views. They deserve it. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. I think as far as plugs go, I did the Duke Cannon plug. Um, yeah. Uh, if you want to check out, uh, if you want to really help us, we're trying to get a sponsorship with a. Uh, a company called Padcaster. Um, so, if you go show their website some love, uh, I'm gonna direct you guys to the the verse. It's the 299 tier. We're gonna be unboxing it tomorrow. Uh, we had a, a very generous donation of one, so we're gonna be unboxing that tomorrow on YouTube and uh, TikTok. But go show the uh, the verse on Padcaster's website some love. Show them that uh, we can we can make an impact. Drive drive some traffic to them. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's everything I have for plugs
0: perfect so we will go back into some of the questions so uh one from Krupp slack uh slacker podcast is the tiktok you posted with the guy riding a bike and a monkey thing that jumped out is it possible it could be a baby one of the fleshy boys
1: i don't think there are baby fleshy boys there you go that that is my answer i think these are very ancient creatures um that are 100 percent adults uh all of them all of the surviving ones I think what we saw on that was either a guy in a suit or a monkey.
0: There we go. Uh, next one is Ducky May. Hey, so would taking a group photo before a hiking trip help when it comes to mimics? Uh, yes, it helps if someone goes missing, but would it help be, uh, to be a more useful thing down the line? I think I know what they mean, but yeah, I mean if it taking a group photo would definitely
1: help to determine if somebody new has joined your group um because you'd look at it and be like oh well steve wasn't in the photo and you know maybe steve's gonna have a really good explanation maybe he took the photo uh so would it be a a catch-all no but it it would be at least helpful um to have that more so just you know make sure you know your numbers and you know before you go maybe decide on some sort of code phrase or something that it it wouldn't know.
0: Good plan. Uh, Let's see. Here's another one. Uh, Is it against the law to put a fleshy boy in your mother-in-law's house and let it do whatever it wants with her? No
1: comment. My lawyer has advised me not to comment.
0: (laughs) anyway uh moving on uh from another one from commander canada have you ever seen the show oh no no, that was uh before that um what are some states that have the most flesh pedestrian sightings from overclocked uh i'm not going to give you state by state but i will
1: give you region um yellowstone and yosemite national parks the appalachian mountains and the american southwest like utah new mexico arizona those are going to be some of your most your most active uh the adirondacks um i guess uh michigan and wisconsin i think those are those are probably the ones you would need to watch out for the most um but again anywhere with big untamed forests and lots of caves uh so the Pacific Northwest. The the Pacific Northwest, however, seems to be a little bit safer, and I think it might be because of Bigfoot. From the Native American lore, it seems that Bigfoot wards off the fleshy boys.
0: Interesting. Would
1: would it be a great creature feature to have Bigfoot versus a Wendigo? Yeah.
0: Yes. That would be phenomenal. See, that sounds way better than Godzilla versus King Kong, because yeah. in that one, there's actually a fight. Unlike Godzilla versus King Kong, which we all knew from the beginning, nuclear lizard, nuclear lizard, nuclear big ass lizard was going to win. No contest. Nuclear lizard beats big monkey. Anyway. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) moving along,
0: moving right along. Uh, another question. So people are asking about squonks. Uh, I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah, so I was reading up on the Squonk today. Uh, it's a northern Pennsylvania legend, and it seems to have just appeared in the 1900s. Okay. Uh, there is no previous mention of it prior to the the early 1900s, um, and it coincides with a book that came out that was a bestiary of fearsome fearsome critters, I think it's called. Okay. Um, so it seems to be fictional. Uh, might be based on real stuff, but it... It seems to be just a fictional
0: thing. Uh, okay, another question from Alex, one of our mods. Uh, question, time travel, question mark. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, so lots to address there. There's the Philadelphia Experiment, which was uh, in during, either during or directly after World War II. I'm not remembering my dates entirely, but there was a ship docked in Philadelphia, and they were attempting... Um, actually not time travel, but rather a invisibility device and they turned it on and then the ship was spotted like, I think it was half an hour later off the coast of North Carolina, which Philadelphia to North Carolina, you cannot travel that in an hour unless you're in a plane. Um, it's, it's quite a distance. Uh, and then the ship reappeared in Philadelphia in the Navy yard with, uh, sailors like, molecularly fused to parts of the ship uh it's supposedly an urban legend but there's a lot of people still alive today who claim they saw it happen that they saw a burst of green light the ship disappeared and then it reappeared um
0: so see that in me that sounds more like teleportation than time yeah
1: but the suggestion was that it yeah to get there that fast. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, but, uh, if you want to talk about some of the more traditional folklore about time travel, uh, my favorite one to point to is the, the seethe, the fairy mounds and the idea that you can in, in Celtic, uh, mythology and folklore, time is not a linear construct, but a spiral con- construct. And so you can step in and out of time. So you could go to a sea you could step out of time and then back onto time, in another place. Mm. The only uh, issue with it being that if you stepped forward in time, then you would age.
0: Now, see that that sounds less like time travel and more traveling between different dimensions. That... No,
1: no, no. That's that's on the same. That's not. So yes, you are going. It is multidimensional, but mm. you're using a separate dimension to travel between times.
0: Yes, but it's essentially, it's less, the, it seems as though the time travel in that instance is more of a byproduct of the different dimensions experiencing time or you, your body experiencing time differently within a certain dimension as opposed Possible. to the dimension you came yeah. from. There's,
1: there's an episode of Star Wars Rebels where uh, Ezra steps into this, other world other dimension um and he can go up to different doorways that are into different points in time and this is actually how he ends up saving ahsoka from getting killed by darth vader in this Mm -hmm. one big explosion um but yeah it's the same concept it's that you can step into another dimension and going through that dimension will allow you to go into other points Mm -hmm. in time
0: another question from uh soupy games is do you all think the bermuda triangle is as supernatural as people may think
1: I don't know about supernatural. There's got to be something going on, though. Um, something, something there with you know either the uh, the magnetic polarity of the Earth. There's got to be something that messes with planes and ships' instruments. Um, but it also has to be something that doesn't happen every time, because mm. a lot of planes and ships make it through the Bermuda Triangle just fine. Um, so there must be something that pulses essentially. Um, what would that be? I don't know, but I, you know, that's, it seems entirely possible to me that there's some sort of electromagnetic pulse, um, that's maybe created by some sort of geological function. We don't understand. Um, but again, I'm not a geologist or a meteorologist, but I, I would not be shocked to find out that there was some sort of electromagnetic anomaly.
0: Hmm. So, uh, Scooby-Doo asks a really important question, I think, that I I, I want us to answer. Who is your favorite actor, and why is it Shia LaBeouf? (laughs) First of all, it's not. (laughs) Favorite actor? Because he's an actual cannibal. He is representing the show very well. He is on his way to becoming a Wendigo. Anyway. Um...
1: I can't think of anything Harrison Ford has been in that I don't love. The Star
0: Wars Christmas special? I can think of one thing that Harrison Ford (laughs) has been in that I don't love. You know what my favorite Harrison Ford movie is? What? The Fugitive. Really?
1: Oh, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I lied. I don't like Blade Runner. That might be a controversial opinion. I don't like Blade Runner. It has too many synthesizers. The practical effects are dumb. Star Wars looked better. And it was earlier. And why is San Francisco or L.A. or wherever they are? I can't remember. Why is it half Japanese?
0: Because it was the future. Think about how... So in the future, everything is half Japanese? Think about how much Japan has influenced American culture at this point. We're not half Japanese. Of course not. Also, it's based off of uh, the,
1: the Philip K. Dick novella, Do Androids Dream of Robotic Sheep? I think, that I,
0: th- I think that's it. I'm amazed that you're yeah. angry about the synth because that's one of the best parts is the um, film score. Oh, God, I hate the score.
1: I really? Hate it. I hate it so much. Look at this, guys. Um, But do androids dream of electric sheep? Electric sheep, that's it. Hmm. In do androids dream of electric sheep, there's been like a massive global cataclysm mm-hmm. where it's not explicitly said what it is, but the earth becomes un- almost uninhabitable. Mm. Um, between radiation and just smog and all sorts of things the earth is almost uninhabitable the entire reason that these synthetic people exist um is because they needed slaves on mars and they didn't want to use actual people for that Mm. so the entire you know moral dilemma that is the novel is completely left out of the film so it can be an action movie and it's not action packed enough to be an action well, movie. Well, the, the, the moral dilemma is still there. It's there, but it's not there. Like it it's is not there. Like it is at the forefront of the novel.
0: It's not like it's there in 2049. In 2049, they they pump up the. I haven't seen 2049 moral yet. Oh, that's great. It, arguably, I was better watching than it in doing. a
1: hotel in State College, and I fell asleep. That's fair. Because it had commercials.
0: That's fair. That's but fair. anyway, yeah, carrying anyway. on. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the pile of shoes found in Nevada from John Bradley? I just started looking into that. I will need to get back to you, John Bradley.
1: Um, it is real. It is a real thing. When I first saw it, I thought it was BS. Um, I thought it was somebody doing some, you know, some of that spooky, like, oh, the mermaid skeleton was found off the coast of blah, blah, blah. Like... Which is obviously fake. Um, oh
0: yeah, today's the first day of Shark Week. I forgot. Oh yeah, uh,
1: but throw yeah. That on after this. So um, the shoes thing, though, I I, I looked it up. Eight thousand children do go missing in Nevada every year. Eight thousand. Eight thousand. Four hundred sixty thousand people go missing in the U.S. every year. Most of them are found, um, but eight thousand people go missing in Nevada every year. I forget if it was just children, if it was people in general. I'm gonna and say it's people because like that's a lot of kids to go. And to it's think. like 200 of those 8,000 each year are never found, um, which is a lot of
0: people. Um, what are the stories from the people that
1: haven't found? And, you know? No, but I uh, and and then they've they're they're finding these caves that are just full of human bones and children's shoes, I uh, which what sorry caves caves. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, that's I, I need to look into it more. That's definitely one that's piqued my interest, but I haven't had a good chance to really look into it yet. Um, definitely something freaky going on there. Very weird that not everybody knows about that. You would think that that would be, you know, top top of the news. You would. But uh, like many things that happen in Nevada, we just never learn the motive or what happened, or how one man managed to fire off several thousand rounds from. A semi-automatic rifle in a hotel in las vegas and why there were multiple angles caught on film of people shooting and why it sounded not like an ar-15 with a bump stock but rather an m249 squad automatic
0: weapon moving on uh, <laughs> uh stranger from a far off land asks have y'all heard of nah whales N-a-h-u-a-l-? Huh? Nahua. Nahuals. Uh, my mom has told me stories of them, and they have some striking similarities to the Fleshy Boys. Heard
1: of them, yes. Done in-depth research on them, no. But they are on my list for this week.
0: There we go. Okay, it is 8.26. We've got about four minutes left. All right. if,
1: if you've got pressing questions, you better hit those Super Chats. Otherwise, yep. we're cutting this Sup- off at 8.30. Yep,
0: Super Chat is the the way to do it. We're, we're going to do one more, unless we get Super Chats. Um, so the one I'm going to choose as the potential last one is... This is a fun one it's from Corrupt Slack Row Podcast. Would a flesh pedestrian be able to be killed by a big predator like a T-Rex or something?
1: Ooh, T-Rex versus flesh pedestrian. Um, here's the thing. Uh, T-Rexes probably were not hunters so much as they were scavengers. Did you know I knew about dinosaurs? I know now. <laughs> Wait, no, I was, I was a... I was a huge dinosaur kid. I wanted to be a paleontologist.
0: Wait, I'm curious. Why scavengers for T-Rex?
1: So uh, as far as... Okay, so as far as we knew when I was actually interested in dinosaurs, yes. T-Rexes were probably solitary. Their little tiny arms weren't very useful for much. Yep. Um, and, but what they could do was scare off other predators. So they would generally wait for smaller predators to um, kill something, and then they would come in and be like, get out of here, my food. Um, hmm. now, so I, I would say also Velociraptors were nowhere near as big as they are in Jurassic park. They were yep. more the size of a chicken. Yep. Um, still terrifying. But if you wanted to talk about a dinosaur that I think would have the best chance against a flesh pedestrian, I would go with the Allosaurus. Uh, they, as far as we know, hunted in packs, cared for their own injured and, uh, were resilient enough that we have found lots of fossils of them with mended bone breaks
0: Hmm.
1: so it's one of the only animals that we find fossils of mended bone breaks because usually if a wild animal breaks something it it ends up dying so allosaurus is they managed to actually care for their injured pack mates uh, until they were healed enough to at least keep up with the herd and perhaps help with hunts the Allosaurus is also the only reason that I consistently remember that the state of Wyoming
0: exists. <laughs> That's funny, because in the... Because uh, Big Al. In the, in the they thing earlier, uh, people were talking about the non-existence of Wyoming in the chat a bit earlier. So. Yeah,
1: no, uh, I know Wyoming exists because I watched a dinosaur movie that took place in Wyoming when I was three years old.
0: There you go. My uh, we have two Super Chats, the first Ooh. one from Madeline Anderson. Will you talk about Flesh Pedestrians again? Will you vervigs? the youvevigs I don't know the
1: okay the Lord of the rings fans okay. in there are gonna laugh uh, when will I be talking about flesh pedestrians again
0: well, will, will, will you? Will I? Yes. I,
1: pr- probably. <laughs> I would assume so, considering yeah, that's kind of the basis I, of the... I think it's getting to the point where it would be worth it to do an entire Friday episode on Skinwalkers, an entire Friday episode on Wendigos. I think that's a smart plan. I might yeah. even go into like the internet ones, like the Rake and uh, Fleshgates, or I might do Rake and Fleshgate in one video. Yep. But I would say, yeah, probably. I'll probably do a full video on Skinwalkers, a full video on Wendigos, and then uh, a video on the Fleshgate and the Rake. And as I dig up some of the, the the European variants and the African variants, the Asian variants, then those walls will also probably all get their own videos. You got to remember, we plan on doing this pretty indefinitely. Yep. Um. So if there is a flesh pedestrian out there, I will discuss it. Um. At length. At length. Yeah. More than once. So we are trying to get a little bit more structured with the way we do the show each week and kind of build up to these podcasts. I. Uh, you know, starting at the beginning of the week with some shorter videos on certain things, then doing a lore video on Friday, and then a podcast that expands upon it. Uh, we're also looking into getting some guests. We're looking into doing some on location stuff. But yeah, yep. we will be discussing flesh pedestrians more. Yes. What's the?
0: And then the last uh, super chat, which was the largest super chat, uh, doesn't actually have a question because it said the message was retracted. But it was 4.99 from Christine Pambiano Bennett. Oh, it's my mom.
1: Yes. Hi, mom. Love you. Thank you for the support. <laughs> wonder what the message was. <laughs>
0: uh, from what I saw, it was a little, like, gif, uh, like, emoji thing. All right. well, uh, to, But, yes.
1: I'll ask her what it was. Exactly. But, anyway,
0: <laughs> it is 8.31. All right. It is time for us to wrap it yeah, up.
1: Yeah, we're going to wrap this up and take 15 to drink some water, uh, you know, go... House some donuts. Yeah, go cry and cuddle in the bedroom, and then uh, come back out and uh, hang out in the... the Discord? The Discord. Yeah. Yes. So, again, if you're not in the Discord, get in the Discord. Uh, If you are in the Discord, we'll see you in 15 minutes. Sounds good. Thank you for showing up,
0: everybody. We look forward
1: to seeing you again next week.